Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. When the sun goes down, all the monsters come out to play. But even a monster needs something cool to listen to in the dark. Welcome to Geo After Dark. Your host, Geo Braun. Hi, this is Ivy Doom Kitty, and you're listening to Geo After Dark. Once again, it's late night here on a Sunday night in the pirate office, and uh, yours truly is here to kind of brighten your evening listening pleasure. Okay, that sounded a little pornographic, but, you know. Anyhow, it's yours truly, Geo. And here we are on Geo After Dark. And you know the funny thing about doing a podcast? You get asked a lot of questions. For example, why are you doing a podcast in the first place? Well, I mean, it comes down to this. Some people kind of wonder what goes on in my head. What goes on in the head of an artist? What goes on in their mind to make them want to be an artist? And that's pretty much what I kind of try to relay to people. The artist way, the artist process, if you will. And uh, I try to do a pretty good job of it. This is what this is for, really. It's an outlet for me to talk about things that kind of interest me, to talk about anything that comes off the top of my head, really. Um, you know, whatever, whatever that might be. Uh, it could be, you know, what exactly is the, uh, the process in which I paint? What is the process in which I do my digital art? Um, what do I like to do the most? You know. Kind of all things geo, in a sense, but it's not really in that nihilistic uh, <laughs> availability. It's just kind of an understanding of what an artist might go through in the daily processes of being an artist. And the thing about it is, um, I've been an artist now full-time, I don't know, the better part of seven years, eight years, something like that. Uh, I don't really count it. I just kind of let it go. I just kind of let it happen. Uh, some people mark events like, you know, when you became, the day that you became an artist. And I've been an artist my whole life. I've never really enjoyed anything as much as I do art. It's, um, I don't know what to tell you. It's my mistress. It's a weird way to put it, but it's true. Uh, it's been there through good times. It's been there through bad times. It's always stayed with me. It's always been there waiting for me. It's a good mistress. But 
But nevertheless, it's still a mistress in a way. It's the one thing that's been a constant, no matter what. And I decided, you know what? It was time to talk about that. It was time to talk about the things that make this artist do what he does. So that brings us to my next point, uh, next question, if you will. Why, of all things, do you like, you know, creating horror? Uh, why is horror such a big part of what you do? Well, horror is important to me. It's one of my first passions uh, growing up. I grew up pretty much a single, you know, it was just me as far as kids. And I'm not just talking about in my family. I'm talking about in on the block. I mean, there were no kids when I first moved into the neighborhood um, once upon a time. And the funny thing about it was I had nobody to play with. As a kid, it's important to build those social abilities, but uh, I, I really didn't have anybody to build those with. So I ended up building them with adults and kind of not really learning to be a kid per se, but kind of learning from adults. And it made you feel different. I wasn't like your normal kid growing up. Uh, of course, I went to school. And in the process of which, I got to see other kids. I got to talk to other kids, which was fine. And that's where I developed my sociability, I guess. Even though I was pretty, I don't know, for all intents and purposes, I would definitely say I was kind of a loner. Um, I was quiet, and I was very shy. I was, I was damn near bashful growing up. Didn't really want to make too big of a fuss, if you will. Not to say I wasn't dramatic in my own way, but uh, <laughs> for all intents and purposes, I was so shy. And growing up like that, because again, I didn't have any kids to grow up with, I just learned to grow up around adults and to be like they were, kind of almost, not imitate, but kind of just impersonate an adult, if you will. And that helped me a lot throughout my life, um, in many respects. And that also was a deterrent in my life in many respects. Uh, I was never really accepted in my age group because I, I didn't act like them. I didn't want to play ball. I didn't like sports. I enjoyed what I enjoyed, and that was monsters. Ever since the first time I ever saw my first Godzilla movie, I just it's something that I just was drawn to, you know, for lack of a better term. So, monsters became kind of important to me. Monsters became my friends. <laughs> and over the course of time, I learned to depend on the monsters to keep me entertained. And they did. I learned how to draw them. Um, at some point early on, I was taught the ways of the universal monsters. So Dracula and the Wolfman and Frankenstein's monster and the mummy became my friends and I enjoyed watching them. And, uh, I don't know, as a kid, I have to admit, I was the kid who sat there rooting for the monster. So, you know, it became not just a pastime, but it became my form of entertainment all the way around. Um, 
I, I look back at those days, and, and like I said, Godzilla was huge in my early youth. I loved Godzilla. I loved Gamera. Rodan and Ghidra and all those monsters were really fun for me. Mecha Godzilla, you know? All of them became my friends. And I would, I would sit there uh, at the dining table, hours on end, drawing them, almost worshipping them. <laughs> and it was fun. It was fun for me. It was my entertainment again. It was, it was my passion to draw and learn how to draw these great and wonderful creatures. So, I don't know. Long before there was the pinup in my life, I guess, uh, there was monsters. So, And then years grow on. You know, you grow. You grow. You're, you're cha- you evolve. Things change in your world. And, and you, you look at those monsters and you say, okay, those are great and those are fun. But then you're introduced to a whole new range of monsters, you know. You're introduced to the hockey mask-wearing monster with a uh, machete. (laughs) And it was funny because back in the day I had early cable television. Some of you out there are not even going to remember what this is. But there was something called On TV, O-N. And there was something called um, Select TV. Well, I had On those were the two cable uh, devices that gave you a whole new group of channels. Really, it was just one channel, and just depending on what time of the day, you would catch different things. There wasn't like a billion channels like there are now. So, uh, one day, and I was not very well supervised, to be honest with you. I, 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 <laughs> I probably wouldn't be in half of the things I enjoy now. If I was supervised better, I'll be honest. Um, So I would watch, you know, in the back den there. I'd watch the monsters come to life. Uh, The new group of monsters. The the Jasons, the Freddies. You know, those became interesting to me and and fun. uh, In in spite of themselves, you know. They were just really chasing half-naked schoolgirls around. Camp counselors or whatever. But it became the next level for me as far as monsters go. I was always kind of drawn to Jason more than I was Freddy. Uh, But then over the course of time, Freddy became more interesting because Jason never talked. So, And Freddy would tell jokes while he killed you, so that was kind of funny. (laughs) It added a new level to my entertainment value. So time went on, and then, of course, I started getting into other monsters of, of various varieties. Uh, for example, I, I loved the movie Life Force, which back in 1985, 1986, was, uh, ba- this, it was based on a book, um, Space Vampires, I think. And <laughs> uh, this led into my adolescence, getting a little older. But sure enough, it, it led to this, I don't know, 11, 12-year-old uh, discovering how much I enjoyed monsters that were naked in that movie because uh, throughout the entire movie it's it's this one vampire beautiful girl Matilda May played her and she was this space vampire who throughout the entire movie was walking around naked so <laughs> that became very interesting to me as well uh, and then you know like I said the Jason movies there was always the nubile 
victims, if you will, and the Freddy movies, you got to kind of enjoy them as well. So as time went on, my love for monsters never really waned. And I really kind of enjoyed the idea of these monsters and what they, what they were. Um, I just really had a fascination with monsters. And over time, I just seemed to really be drawn to them more and more. And then over time, I started to develop my uh, love for the pinups. And altogether, to mix the horror with the sexy, somehow started to develop more and more. Um, I don't know, some people call me a feminist, which is funny to say, but it's true, I think, in some regards, because I really am a fan of the empowered female. Um, I always have been, I guess. Just for me, it's been something that's always kind of intrigued me. And uh, over the course of time, I've learned to develop that more and more to the point where I'm, you know, I've developed stories based on uh, females who were, became empowered. Mm, you know, not always human, <laughs> but definitely uh, something where uh, the empowered female is a big, strong proponent in what I do. Um, and again, my stories really do kind of envelop that factor. Um, I like the idea of the strong female. So, uh, the idea of the monsters being female-based was interesting as well. The bad girl became kind of intriguing to me. And, uh, you know, the, the idea of doing what I do. I mean, I'm a graphic novelist. Now, growing up, I never had any idea that one day I would call myself a graphic novelist, that I would be a graphic novelist. I didn't think that was a thing, you know. But I started to develop my love for graphic novels, and that turned into what it is today. Um, I get to go to Comic-Con. I get to go as a graphic novelist. I get to do conventions. I get to go, and I do talks at conventions. I do panels, and I talk about being a graphic novelist, writing the stories. I talk about drawing the stories. And in my head... You have to understand, in my head, my stories are movies. That's how I see them. That's how I process them. And the idea of these movies becoming something is just really an eventuality for me. Now, I don't know if any of my stories will eventually become movies. I hope they do. I would love to see what would happen with those. But for the time being... In my head, I just love the stories themselves. I love to see where they take me. Once upon a time, I was asked, do you write the stories or do the stories write themselves and tell you what they should be? And the truth is, my stories, even though I start them, really, I'm just kind of the fountain that, that provides that uh, reservoir if you will, the, the process just kind of flows through me. These characters that I've created, these stories I've developed, uh, these stories are what they are. I've, I've 
taking characters that didn't necessarily not already exist. I mean, these characters, they do. Some of them are from uh, mythologies. I mean, I really thought they were important to, to kind of debase a story on them for one reason or another. It was important to me to develop that, to turn that into something. So I did. Um, the character of Lilith for me, to watch her kind of evolve and to be called the bad guy from a good from a good guy point of view, but in actuality, she's not a bad guy. She's just a rebel. She's a renegade. She is a free thinker. Um, does she do bad things? Yeah. But does she have her reasons? Did they start off just, I want to do bad things? She's a manipulator. She's dangerous. And she loves to stir things up. She really does. Um, the idea of who she became started off very differently. And you watch the character develop over the course of the first graphic novel I did, Everdance. So you see that. But see, in the process of that story, you also see somebody who is not very strong. She's a very weak character only because she doesn't know the strength that she has inside of her. So to develop a character like that was very interesting to me. To make her a vampire, to give her history, to give the history of her species, it all became very important to me. And it turned a 24-page story that didn't have a lot of meat into a 140-page graphic novel that became very um, nostalgic in a lot of ways of what I grew up with, but also told me what it wanted to be more and more. So these stories tell me what they want, and I am the one who helps create them. So anyhow, that's what I do. And the process of which is a lot of fun. And the idea of doing it, being able to do it, being paid to do it, is great. Uh, <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't say anything bad about that. The business itself, well, and as I've talked about this in past episodes of Geo After Dark, the business itself is something you have to develop and learn. You need to understand business. It's important that you do, because if you do go into this as just the artist, it'll eat you alive. I'm not even joking about that. It will eat you alive. The artistic expression, the artistic passion you have will should always be first and foremost in your head. But you have to understand the point of view of the business person as well. Because if you don't, you'll go into it and, and you will get used, abused in every which way possible until it literally kills that artistic spirit. And I don't want to see that happen. We need artists. We need the artists to come to life. We need the artists to tell their stories in any possible shape and form that they do it in. And it, it matters. It does matter. It's really important to continue and be the artist. Never let them take that away from you out there. So yeah, monsters. Why do I do monsters? Because I love monsters. Monsters are a part of me. Monsters... You know, I never feared the dark 
because as a kid, those monsters became my friends, as weird as that is to say. And over the course of time, I wanted to learn about the monsters. I wanted to make monsters, you know? And to this day, I'm still making monsters, and I love doing it. So uh, I guess I'll continue doing that, because I think life is short, and you need to do what makes you happy. You need to do whatever it takes to continue to do what makes you happy. So all these factors play a part in the development of the artist. And it's things that you have to keep in mind. Um, fame and fortune is great. Don't get me wrong. If I was famous like J.K. Rowling's or fucking you name it, I wouldn't be sad, I don't think. But I can tell you this much right now. I'm happy to be doing the stories that I want to do the way I want to do them. Um, nothing stops me. Nothing gets in my way. These stories are important to me. And I want to make them important to the world. So I tell them the way I want to. I've had people in the past try to tell me how to tell my stories. And I'll shake my head and I'll nod. But at the end of the day, I'm still going to do it my own fucking way. In spite of what they say. Because at the end of the day, I still have to look at myself in the mirror. And I'm the one who has to tell myself... You know what? I'm happy that you're you. And if you can't do that, if you sell out, if you will, and just do what people want you to do, well, I think it makes it a little harder to do that. To actually look yourself in the mirror and smile knowing that you're doing it your way. So, after all this time, go figure. Frank Sinatra was right. It's important to do it your way. Well, that being said, this is another episode of Geo After Dark, and uh, I'm your host, Geo Braun. I want to thank you for listening. I want to entice you to listen to either, even more episodes if you like. Uh, I keep on doing this every week, and if you're listening, I must be doing something right. Well, in any case, uh, do me a favor and check out my Patreon account, uh, my Patreon, patreon.com. Uh, look up Geo Braun once you go there, and you'll see my page. And it'll have everything from pinups to Tubbins and Wiley, one of the comic strips that I wanted to do because I like comic strips. One of my biggest things about Sunday mornings was, uh, for a long time, going over and sitting in my back patio and reading the Sunday funnies. So now I create those as well. So go to my Patreon page, check those out, check out the pinups that I do, and check out my website, www.brongraphics.com. It's brongraphics with an X, dot com. There you're going to see everything I do as far as my art. You'll see Geo's Vixens, which is my salute to pinups. And you'll see a whole bunch of other stuff too, so check it out. And uh, there you have it. So that's another week, and you have a great one. This is your host, Gio Braun. Good night, America, wherever you are. Mr. Sunshine, yay. Really, Gio? Really? <laughs> Paid for and sponsored by your friends at the Illuminati. All celebrity voices were impersonated. No duh. Ta-da.
Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.